It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors. And on today's show, we are digging deep into a Raptors win over the Minnesota Timberwolves last night in Minnesota to close out the pre-All-Star schedule with a big-time win to get back on the win column after a couple of losses. We're going to dig into Thad Young and how he has just blended in so beautifully, and I have fallen extremely fast and hard. We're going to talk about him. We'll talk about a really grinded out effort from the Raptors and how they were able to use their defense to beat a very, very stout Wolves team. And we've got the dude of the game to hand out, as we always do. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors with special guest Yasmin Dewala from Yahoo Sports. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode number 1121 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, February the 17th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. And you can find the show uh, free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please go find it on the audio feeds. You can subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. And you can also go to YouTube and subscribe to the video version of the podcast, where you get to see my face every day. As I'm currently going through something, I'm in a hat phase because I haven't gotten a haircut in like three months. It's going to happen soon. <laughs> I'll, I'll look good on the stream again soon. Until then, you get dumpy Sean wearing a hat and a hoodie. Uh, but either way, uh, thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. And on today's show, we're digging into a Raptors 103-91 win over the Minnesota Timberwolves in Minnesota last night. A uh, very, uh, I, I would say, gutsy effort from a team that didn't have its A game necessarily, but got a couple big performances from Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent Jr., some guys off the bench, and here to talk all about the game, dig into our big takeaways, hand up the dude of the game, and just uh, shower Thad Young with praise. It is Yasmin Duala from Yahoo Sports Canada from Dishes and Dimes. You're all over the place, Yasmin. You're taking over the world. How's it going? Welcome uh, back to the show. I'm well. Thanks for having me. Really happy to have you. Uh, I should note, so this game I watched last night after I was at a soccer game in Hamilton. The uh, CONCACAF Champions League brought its way to Hamilton, and I was watching Forge FC take on Cruz Azul down at Tim Hortons Field. And so I got home a little bit late, and I watched the game on PVR with no spoilers or distractions. That was at least my intention. I got a notification at like 1030 when the game ended saying final score. And I was like, oh, no, I looked at it. I didn't see who won and who what the result was, but I read 103-101. And I was like, oh, God, this is going to be a close game. It was, of course, 103-91. But in the back part of this game, as I'm watching it, in the final two minutes, the Raptors are up 10. And I'm like, 
something bad's gonna happen here isn't it <laughs> i was just waiting for the impending too. collapse they were talking all day long about the wolves coming back from down 13 against the hornets the night before and i was preparing for some kind of doom but nope the just a tidy take care of business type of win for the raptors in this one uh and i guess we should start with our biggest takeaways and i will defer to the guest on this one yes what was your biggest takeaway from the raptors 32nd victory of the season to close out the pre-all-star schedule um, hmm. I think a major takeaway for me would be that the defensive uh, ceiling on this team is quite high because mm-hmm. um, even like on paper, it looks like they had a great defensive night, but I still see so many things that they could improve on. Like, I feel like um, there are stretches where they still have mental lapses and the rotations are not nearly as crisp um, as they could be. So it kind of just mm-hmm. gives you um, a, a little bit of a glimpse into what they could be if they're already a solid defensive team um, when they're, you know, firing on all cylinders and uh, full health, Uh, you know, what can they be when they have more time together, when they start to understand their defensive rotations better, um, when they, um, right now, I feel like the chemistry isn't perfect on that end of the floor. I think Mm -hmm. they've improved on their offensive chemistry a little more than defensive chemistry. Like there's still times where I'm like, I'm seeing more open threes on this team than I have in the last maybe three years, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) opposition. So uh, they're, they're not perfect yet, but um, they're already quite good when they, you know, hunker down and um, try to uh, close out a tough game, especially, I think you notice their, their defense kind of tighten up when the offense isn't rolling. Cause yeah. I felt like they, they went like since the first quarter up until like, what was it towards the end of the fourth or the last five minutes of the fourth or something without hitting a three pointer. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> they, were, they were able to uh, use their offense to feed their um, use their defense to feed their offense um, and get those turnovers, turn them into fast break opportunities. So um, yeah, yeah it, it worked out in the end. Yeah. I, I thought this was a really impressive game overall because it was not at all a game within the Raptors comfort zone, right? Like it was a slow half court game. They had to run a lot of half court stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the zone that the wolves were throwing at them gave them a ton of trouble. And you mentioned they didn't hit a three between the end of the first and the start of the fourth when Boucher hit that corner three followed by that precious three as well, which like, man, whenever precious hits a three, it's just gold falling from the sky into the laps of the Raptors. And so we're going to talk about Precious later on, but just it's just massive. But to go that long without a three against a team that was exclusively playing zone for the most part, the Raptors had no business winning this game. <laughs> like It's just they stink against zone, and they really were kind of flummoxed by it in the middle part of the game. And you're right. They kind of compensated for that with their defense, just really clamping down on an offense that is ranked top 10 in the NBA you know, Carl Anthony Towns got his, but everybody else on that Wolves team really struggled. Uh, you know, Anthony Edwards didn't make a field goal in this game. He was 0 of 8 from the field. Yeah. Um, you know, D'Angelo Russell couldn't get going. He was just 2 of 11. Like, just a really top-to-bottom excellent defensive effort. That late third quarter into the fourth when they really put the clamps on. Then they got 40 second-half points. Like that, you're right. There's a ceiling here. They've still been kind of muddling around middle of the league in terms of defensive efficiency. They're 13th right now. I would say if you look at the teams ahead of them, you know, there's some really good defenses in there, but there's no reason this team at its kind of peak, maybe not this season, but as it kind of continues to gel and coalesce, can't be threatening to be a top five defense all the time. I think they're that good. Right. Um, 
I want to talk a little bit about the zone because that was a tricky part of this game for the Raptors to navigate. Chris Finch, uh, you know, not, you know, there's no secrets here. He knows everything about this Raptors team. And when you look at this Raptors roster with no Fred Van Vliet available, it makes a lot of sense to zone up because there's really right now with OG and Anobi struggling as bad as he is, there's like one knockdown three point shooter you're worried about. And that's Gary Trent Jr. Uh, and they just were really, really diligent in sticking to that zone until the fourth quarter when they started to dice it up in the middle and then it opened it up for Pascal Siakam to kind of go to work and just sort of draw all the attention in man defense and find open guys. Nine assists for him. But what did you make of the way the Raptors attacked the zone? Again, kind of finding success without hitting threes, which is a really difficult way. Right. To the zone. <laughs> how, how did you like the way they went about uh, sort yeah, of dissecting um, it? I think that the 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 traditional uh, Raptors route when it comes to um, dealing with the um, zone is to just make a little bit of space and hit your threes. I think that's yeah. been like whenever I think of the Raptors combating a zone, I think of that. I don't know if you remember, but that Miami game in the 2019 oh, yeah. 20 season, where <laughs> yeah. um, I feel like it was uh, I think Serge, Mark, and Kyle were healthy, and the rest of the yeah. roster something like that. Like I remember they were really really shorthanded. Um, and Miami zoned up, and I think it was one. Of, I think they broke an NBA record in um, three pointers missed or something that night because uh, mm -hmm. it just didn't work. So um, to see them combat the zone in this way, where it was more, I, I think at the beginning we saw them. Um, it, I was a little worried because they were using OG. I feel like to get into the middle, and he wasn't having too many too much success. Um, posting up really close to the basket, even though they, they were getting him quite uh, deep post positioning, but he was just off. Uh, yeah. I'm not too worried about it, but. He was off that night, last night. Um, I, I, they found success later on in, the, I think it was the second half of the game where um, Pascal would just drive really hard. He garners a lot of a defensive attention. Um, mm -hmm. I think that even though he's improved so much as a passer, um, that Im the improvement in his handle is what's allowing him to really penetrate uh, against uh, defenses, which is no matter how good or bad a defensive team, it's not an easy feat, especially for a tall player whose dribble is higher to go through. You have all of the like four players shading towards him. They leave one guy to kind of split the, the uh, perimeter players who are on the perimeter. Um, mm. And it, it, what, it's like Precious and Boucher or something. So you're going to see differences <laughs> in that situation, even though they came through. Uh, it is the correct decision for coach for Chris Finch to have made. Um, but yeah, they found success with uh, Pascal cutting and then just le leaving him um, to improvise and to find cutters, to uh, find shooters. And he did an excellent job, uh, just play after the other. They're running him at point guard. Um, and just, it was really cool to see him. Um, we already know that he is uh, an improved um, uh, an improved passer this season, but it just speaks mm -hmm. to the development of just his playmaking. I think someone said recently, I, I saw it on Twitter, I don't know who said it, but um, playmaking and passing aren't, they're related, but they're not exactly the same thing. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like playmaking requires you to sometimes, you can be a, a flashy pass, a flashy passer, a decent passer, but playmaking requires you to see plays play out in your head, mm -hmm. a few mm -hmm. moves ahead of, of of it actually happening, and that's what he was doing. He was uh, he was penetrating. He was um, it, thinking on the move and split, making split sec, uh, second decisions um, and deciding whether to pass with the cat, uh, the cutter who was um, uh, in a, through a, through a few possessions. Thaddeus Young. Mm -hmm. um or uh i think he found og on a couple possessions or uh finding uh, or kicking it out to gary to um og a few times even though he missed he was still passing it out to the perimeter um yeah and yeah it was just it was cool seeing him make these decisions 
not only on the move, but you have about half a second to decide what you're going to do. <laughs> um, and during those stretches where they were breaking down the zone, I think the uh, Timberwolves went away from it. Um, during those um, possessions, um, it was just it was cool to see him um, d- decide what to do on the move. It was it was it was pretty cool. To, it was pretty cool to see. I'll think of this as kind of like a, a game where um, I I've kind of where we got a bit of insight into his. Um, playmaking skill level totally um, really cool it was it, it's challenging like you're you, you're not you don't have your lead all-star point guard <laughs> on the court <laughs> what are you gonna do you're gonna run your power forward at point uh and yeah. it worked out it, it it i thought this game was getting away from them at the half even though um i thought you know they they're a great third quarter team i didn't know if they could um combat the zone i think they really struggled it against it in the second they built a lead mm-hmm. in the first quarter struggled in the second quarter. I'm like, okay, this looks like it's getting away from them. I don't know if they can um, deal with this without Fred's gravity on the court, uh, but they they managed. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, to the point of this being a game outside of the Raptors' comfort zone, I think Pascal was kind of an embodiment of that because, you know, this was the first time in a long time he'd come up against, like, a, a set of wing defenders that could do a damn thing about him. Like, he's just been kind of mowing over the league, but the Wolves have... McDaniels, they have Edwards, they have Pat Beverly, who, my God, Pat Beverly is just the biggest shit heel in the I almost respect it. Like between the messing with Gary Trent Jr. at the start of the game, getting the double texts, uh, and then the like forearm shiver to OG that he then flopped in the retaliation. Like, my God, just an insane, <laughs> wonderful Pat Beverly just doing the right thing. I love it. Night. I love it. Yeah. You know, I, I have to respect it at this point. <laughs> He's, He's so committed to being hated by everybody that. You know what? Congrats for the commitment to the bit, but they were bugging Siakam, and he still managed to find a way to be the most impactful player for the Raptors in this one. And to the point of breaking apart the zone, I mean, they just did a really wonderful job. I, I think kind of getting into that gooey middle of the zone too. And I kind of want to dig into that through the like lens you said, of yeah. Uh, no, we'll, you we'll take a quick a... break, yes. Um, oh yeah, of course. We'll <laughs> come back to the other side. We're going to dig into how they got into that gooey middle from Siakam, and then Thad Young as well, who's I think a really big part how the Raptors diced up the zone for the Wolves in this one. We'll get to that in just one sec here, but first I want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. Football season might be over for this year, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From the latest odds, totals, player performance props, where to get the next fired coach, where he's going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all of the sports betting needs that you have in your life. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, Olympic coverage as well. Plus, you've got European basketball. You've got eventually baseball coming back someday, maybe. Uh, Go to the website and check out the learn all about the trends and action you can go to the mobile device your mobile device as well and check it out there on their mobile site bet online is where the game starts go check our pals out hey guys it's walker mail host of the locked on hornets podcast and being around sports media and a fan of the hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA, and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. 
Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. And we continue on here, carrying over the thread from the first segment with Yasmin Dewalla from Yahoo Sports Canada. Uh, the Raptors zone, Pascal Siakam dicing it up. You know, they did a really good job, Yasmin, I think, of just sort of, this is the thing about the Raptors. They struggle against zones, right? It's been a long-standing thing, even dating back to that, you know, season you were talking about, 2019-20. It's kind of been a thing. They've been light on shooting and they've been kind of zone prone. Um, you know, I, I found that game, by the way, you referenced in the first segment that he game. They were six of 42 from three in that one. Fred goes one of 11. Kyle goes two of 12. Abaka goes 0 of four. Terrence Davis, bad. 0 of five. Patrick McCaw, the best three-point shooter on the night, one of four. Oh, my God. Throwback. Uh, <laughs> Throwback Pat McCaw. Yeah, shut up, I Pat I kind of miss him. Three-time champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I miss getting mad at him. I miss he, him being the lightning rod for my scorn. Um, But, yeah, as far as how the Raptors approached it, like, they look really good when they do dice up a zone. And I think it's because they have a lot of guys who operate really nicely from the middle of the zone, like Siakam, Thad Young now, OG's really good in there. Scotty's obviously really good in there too. Right, right. And when they find a way to kind of like, you know, just kind of get into the cracks, find those gaps in the zone, it looks beautiful. They end up with all these like beautiful passing sequences. Thad Young's throwing over the shoulder looks and, you know, they're finding Scotty for floaters on the baseline. <laughs> Like, it, it just looks amazing. It's just they can't quite get to that all the time. But they did pretty frequently in the second half in the fourth quarter. Right. Where they, you know, they were running, like, high screening actions. And then, you know, Siakam would slip. Uh, they were just kind of attacking the zone before it was even set. I thought Thad did that really well a couple times. Just like, oh, the defense isn't even set. I'm just going to cut down the middle at 100 miles an hour. He ended up getting his ass blocked on one of them. But uh, yeah. <laughs> it was really good looking cut. Um, you know, you had a point you wanted to get to before the break there, Yasmin, about the the sort of getting into that soft middle of the zone. Carry on. Yeah, I I, the, I forgot, but the reason why I brought up that Miami game is because uh, it, it's it's debatable. I think that's like the great analytical debate, but uh, using three pointers to break down the zone, uh, it just seems like the easier option. I feel like because it requires sure. less. Uh, I feel like it requires less stages of playmaking to just create sure. three on the perimeter. I feel like if you have a couple guys at least with some gravity, you can kind of find those pockets of space. Um, but for the Raptors to continuously create offense at the rim against the zone, I feel like that's more difficult and you're ga you're getting a higher percentage shot. Uh, for, so I, I remember tweeting during the game that this is great practice for them against the zone because they're going to see it a lot, uh, especially with all of the um, the non-shooters on paper on, on the team. So I feel like it's just the uh, defensive scheme that they're going to encounter, especially in the postseason as well. Um, but yeah, it, just seeing them... Um, create um the more diff it's cre they're creating a more difficult shot in the sense that it, it requires more steps but they're getting the higher their highest the higher percentage look mm -hmm. uh which was really cool so um yeah that's the, that's the reason why i brought up the uh, miami game because they're <laughs> they're getting the easier shot which was the three but it's i feel like um you can't always rely on that so that was why this game was a bit of a trap but it was an impressive win i think Mm -hmm. um was, it, it was they used it as an opportunity to test out something that um they're going to look at a lot and also um, i think the reason why the raptors have struggled with um breaking down the zone is because in order to break down the zone you need to have a, a tall uh 
playmaking big that can go to the center sure. of it. And sure. uh, think of the past Raptors teams. Yeah, they had Marcus All, but generally in the three, four, and five position, they're quite weak in yeah. playmaking. You know, so I think the difference this season is that we have quite a few big playmakers on the team who are, you know, capable. So you look at that, you look at Scotty, you look at uh, Pascal. Those are three, um, I, I would say, play playmaking bigs that you can mm -hmm. uh, put in the middle of that. Um, and even even Precious, I feel like he's passing more often. Yeah. Than the, Precious, I feel like before was like, if he had the ball, he was going. To, it was going up. It was. Yeah, I don't and know probably in some sort of catastrophic way too. Yeah. But I'm <laughs> I'm noticing he's holding on for just a second longer under the rim and kind of doing that bounce pass to the under uh, the other player in the dunker spot, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. um, and that just again, it just kind of adds another um, piece to the offense. Like I feel like if every guy just kind of gains a little skill, like just a little trait that they do on the court repeatedly, it kind of adds to the, um, the you know, the offensive web of this team, which I think that they're building. Um, mm -hmm. They're trying to build that foundation, um, that chemistry. So if every guy has like a thing that they do on the court on offense, and I always say with Precious, um, he's such a good defender that if he just, if he just gains like one habit or one positive skill on the court on the other end, um, he's he's going to be in the league for a long time. He's going to be making money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I think, you know, that it, it does. I mean, there, you know, we saw Malachi Flynn get in the game last night, I think, as like an extra shooter to work off of those guys. And it does kind of, you know, make you a little bit upset that there wasn't some sort of trade deadline addition for another shooter, right? Because imagine how much better that interior deconstruction of the zone would work if you also had perimeter shooters who you could trust and were knocked down guys. I mean, right. I think last night kind of proved that like Utah and Svi are just like done in Nick Nurse's books because like that was a prime game to get those guys in there at some point. And Malachi Flynn got in ahead of them. So I'm not sure where that leaves you feeling today if you're Utah or Svi considering events of this season. But yeah, I, I thought it was just a really, really interesting sort of tactical battle because of what the Wolves were doing. And I thought the Raptors did a nice job in the back part of the game. And, and, and so that brings me to Thad Young. Boy, oh boy, I I can't remember a time, Yaz, that I have fallen this hard for a player this quickly. You know, I'm thinking back to Marc Gasol's first game with the Raptors against the Knicks where he's just like whipping crazy passes to Norm Powell and Fred Van Vliet on the bench. Just like his first game. Oh, <laughs> this is what a center can do with Pat. Like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. <laughs> it's not quite to that extent with that, of course. But like last night, he was awesome. Just filling in the gaps wonderfully. We talked on yesterday's show with James Herbert about how even though he doesn't necessarily space like a traditional spacer, he still spaces the floor nicely within the confines of, of his own range because he's just kind of always going to the open space. The, he's seeping into the spots where the defense is rotating away from, and it just he, he kind of just offers outlets no matter where he is. And then he yeah. takes that, gets the ball, and he's putting up little flip shots. He's you know driving and finishing with little flip shots. Yeah. He's throwing beautiful passes all over the place. Are you like me? Are you already like a we're like waving the Thad flag, like looking to buy a Thad jersey, like fully into the Thad religion? Like he's just he's such a <laughs> smart, delightful player. I think he's probably already the sixth best player on the Raptors roster. Like I, I think we saw last night, as much as Boucher and Precious have their moments and they bring that chaos, like the refinement that Thad brings. I think he is like, again, I think he's their sixth best player. He's their sixth man to me. And I'm excited to see how they work him in even more. 
Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I remember when my dad heard of the trade, he was immediately all in. He was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm young. I've wanted him on the Raptors for years. This is like, yeah, this is exactly what they need. Is your dad uh, a Raptors Reddit guy from 2014? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> my dad is like, I feel he's probably in his room or something, but I feel like he's like the ball don't stop uh fat Raptors fan where he's like he's, sure. he's all in on real hoopers and that young <laughs> real hooper than him. Uh, uh so I was I I personally wasn't too sure because I feel like uh is is he's kind of another repetitive like archetype that's already present on present on the team I felt like yeah, it's a um, to requirements for sure yeah so I'm like okay it's another guy that uh you know it's another guy that Masai has been hoarding collecting uh like Pokemon over this uh, over the last uh, <laughs> year or so now um so no they're first of all they're all in on this um this thing that they're doing this project. Yeah. That they're doing they're all in they're gonna see it out they're gonna you know i feel like they're all in for the next couple of years with this but um you know uh like you said he he doesn't space the floor traditionally yeah thad young's um open three open three numbers aren't terrible like he i would i guess trust him to take the open three on a team where we're letting precious do so so uh <laughs> you know thad young has that license too but like you said he does space the floor in his own way where he's not standing still in the dunker He's not he's not stagnant. He's moving within the confines of the paint, I felt like, and within the confines of the um, you know, not the interior, but within the lines of the perimeter, which is really mm -hmm. cool. So he's someone who can who can dribble, who uh can bring the ball up a court uh occasionally, which what he has been doing the last couple of games. Um and yeah, he's he's always moving. He's very he's just very multidimensional. He's not standing still. And I feel like that um it, that sometimes um when the Raptors reset. They, within the 24 second clock I, I find that they reset a couple times and it, sometimes guys uh stay still and g they get a gary trent bailout shot and we've yeah. seen over the last couple of games is that um even though gary is larger than life and i think that he's he's so special um last night he had 30 points i didn't think it was a great game from him <laughs> you know like I, <laughs> I i thought that um that a lot he his uh shot selection can sometimes be really um erratic and uh it's, it's definitely something he's going to be working on this season but um it, i i think that um uh, with that young he kind of you could see it within the second half of the game where they were trying to look for high percentage looks rather than bailout shots um that he just helps bring them that um just that soundness that um veteran leadership what can yeah. i say <laughs> like you just yeah. there i don't know when he's on the court i just see them looking for higher percentage looks i don't see too many of those bailout shots and um yeah i'm really excited to see more lineups with scotty um pascal thad and delano which i, I don't know Ooh, if i if yeah. the numbers are correct but last night it looked really cool yeah um, you just got like four guys that can pass that are like six <laughs> And up, and they can all defend, and um, they're just all really intelligent. They're getting defenders turning around and stuff, and yeah, I, I want to see more of Thad Young on the court, and I think that he's going to, like you said, I don't know if he's, I, I don't know where he ranks in the Raptors roster right now, but he's going to be playing decent minutes. Yeah, I, I think for sure. I, I think he, to me. I'm really excited to see some lineups. And this is, I don't want this to sound like I think Scotty Barnes shouldn't play important minutes because I think he should. I think he has to play important minutes. They're trying to develop him. But I've said this already on the podcast, and I think I feel even stronger about it seeing the simpatico he seems to have with Pascal Siakam. Like 
give me closing lineups with that in place of Barnes sometimes. Like you're just going to yeah. have like a more sort of veteran um, sort of like, I, I think like adult presence in the middle there. Like Scotty can be a little bit erratic and that's fine. He's a rookie. He's 20. That's not the end of the world. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's been this sort of, you know, there's been this tension maybe not like anyone's upset about it. It's just like it, you see it on the court where it's like, okay, where are all these shots funneling to when the five guys and the starters are playing together? Right. It's, you know, yeah. it, it's a, it's sharing the load a little bit is a lot because you want Scotty to be involved, but fad can very easily just slot in as the fifth option in your lineup and just do all those sort of like nitty gritty things that Scotty's learning to do, but doesn't quite do it at like the highest level just yet. And I think the like harmony you could have in a Fred Trent OG Thad Pascal lineup, like I think you could argue that if they get any sort of consistent run together, that could end up being the best Raptors lineup. So um, love Thad, super on board, uh, and uh, we're going to continue on here in just a sec, Yasmin, and close out the show with the dude of the game, the way we close out every game recap episode of the podcast. We will do that in just one sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. There is uh, a lot of things at stake when you go to the mechanic, right? Like you're you're upset, your car is busted, you don't know what you're going to be paying, and the mechanic kind of has your fate in their hands because they can just say, hey, this part costs this much and there's nothing you can do about it because it's the only one we have. Well, rockauto.com addresses that problem because they have a ton of options for you whenever you need something for your car. Right now, I have a busted headlight on my car and I'm going to rockauto.com after recording this podcast to go and buy the headlight so I can replace it myself. And I can easily do that. I can type in my make and my model and I can get in there and, and easily find the, the part that I want. And I get more than just one option as well. I get all sorts of brand specifications and prices to choose from. So the power is back in my hands. Rock Auto has the same prices for every customer, whether you're a pro or a do-it-yourselfer, and they can give you everything you need from the important stuff like brake parts, the aesthetic things like tail lamps or, uh, or new carpets or anything you might find. Uh, I would highly recommend you go check them out if you need anything for your car. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car and truck, right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box to know that we sent you amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. Go check them out. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. And we round out your first listen of the day with Yasmin Diwala from Yahoo Sports Canada digging into the dude of the game. And Yaz, I told you who it was before. We're going to talk about this guy, but I do want to hand out a sort of code due to the game or due to the game honorable mention to uh, another guy after we handed out to the actual due to the game winner. Does that make sense? Uh, I think it does. We'll go now to the due to the game. It is, of course... Precious Achua, we talked about him a little bit in the last segment, talking about how they busted up the zone, but Precious in this game, 11 points, six boards, hit a big corner three, as I mentioned, uh, in that stretch with Boucher and, and Achua hitting back-to-back threes in the fourth quarter. 
just massive stuff. He was uh, five and nine, uh, again, four, six boards, an assist, a plus 12 overall. Uh, really, really good defensively, once again, as you've come to expect. But offensively, I like the point that you made, Yaz, about how he's kind of slowing the game down a little bit. And, and I think, like, the analogy I would use is there's a thing in broadcasting where, you know, the, the concept of, like, a pause and a breath is very, very valuable. I probably don't do it enough on this podcast because I just talk and run straight through the wall <laughs> with my words. But the best broadcasters, not me, Take their time. They'll leave you hanging on every word and they'll pause at important moments to have yeah. reflection and importance. And I think you're kind of seeing Precious Achua go from me, the broadcaster, just barreling forward to now a little bit more of a sort of calm and relaxed broadcaster, able to take a beat, let it hang yeah. for a second, wait for things to develop, get people on the edge. And I think he did that really nicely last night. I think he's done that quite nicely overall recently you're seeing fewer of the possessions as, as opposed to it being like six possessions a game where he's derailing the offense it's like one or two and you can live with that because he's trying stuff out he had that weird air ball he pulled up for last night late in the game but that three <laughs> was just so massive and you know it just kind of he really is settling in as a more sort of reserved player and it's making it so you can have him on the floor for his defense and be pretty happy about it um, what have been your thoughts? I know you talked about him a little bit already on today's show, but any sort of other thoughts on the way Precious impacted last night's game? You maybe want to go into his defense because we've already talked about the offense side of things. Take it away, Yaz. Uh, what are your thoughts on yeah. today's due to the game, Precious Achua? I'm uh, super pro-Precious. Uh, yeah, I'm firmly in uh, <laughs> Precious's camp. Um, the thing is, uh, I, I remember there was an open gym episode uh, that was focused on him where uh, he mentioned that sometimes when he's on the court, he forgets to breathe. Right. <laughs> that, <laughs> that you mentioned the pausing. And I haven't even seen that, so I didn't steal that. I promise. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it just reminded me uh, that he said he's sometimes he just he gets so tense and nervous out there, uh, and you it was it was noticeable, and I think. Uh, it, uh, when a team takes a sophomore player, like a second-year player, uh, you have a tendency to forget that they're only in their second year because they weren't drafted by your team. And I think that's yeah. the case with Precious for a lot of people. Like, I feel like people would extend far more patience to him if they knew that he, this is a guy literally in his second NBA year. He was a rookie last season um, during, um, you know, um, all of the everything that was happening so um yeah. for it, on, on a team that wasn't really prioritizing his development either like understandably so they were a contending team um so uh with precious um yeah that you you definitely notice him um pausing um i think it's just a matter of him gaining confidence within his role um he doesn't i feel feel he, I, I feel like he doesn't feel too much um pressure on the court in the sense that he knows he's surrounded by talent and that mm -hmm. uh, he, his, his, his job is um, perhaps more defined for him, his role on the court. I noticed that he does a few things. He's going for the offensive rebounds. He's playing his, uh, his defense, his pick and roll defense. Oh my goodness. It's, it's super yeah. advanced for his, mm -hmm. uh, his, his being a second year player. Like he is just um, not uh, foul prone. Uh, he's oftentimes frequently on bigger players, frequently yeah. playing the five online. Like you just think about what he's uh, accomplishing. Um, and if they're able to, like I said, um, help him gain uh, just a couple of offensive skills. Like if he really does um, develop that corner three, if he really does um, become an offensive rebounding threat, or if he gains a floater or anything, which I think is totally within the realm of possibility, like with the mm -hmm. Raptors development program and uh, the fact that he's uh, such a young guy, um, yeah, I, I think that 
um, Precious is going to be like a, a staple in the Raptors rotations. Um, he's a, even when he's struggling, I, I, it's the same way with Scotty. Like I take it with a grain of salt when I see them struggle on the court. In fact, I think that those moments are important for the future of their development. So win the um, lessons. <laughs> exactly. Like it's just, yeah. it's important. And you see Scotty, like I remember during, uh, obviously I feel like Scotty's um, development has been rapid, which is understood. He's the number four pick. Um, playing like a rookie of the year candidate. Um, so his, I feel like his development over the course of the season has been far more rapid. I remember initially he would honestly, like there would be games they would lose because of his mistakes in the beginning of the year. As of recently, during their winning stretch, Scotty was the, the game deciding factor. Um, I think in like four games where yeah. he had basically game winning plays, whether it was game winning free throws, uh, uh, game tying um, shot or something like that. It was just constant. And I think that's, that's the experience from the earlier part of the season. That's kind of aided him in uh, being less nervous and erratic towards the, in late game situations. And um, it's a similar thing with uh, precious where he's getting those reps and you're seeing the, the fruits of his labor. He's just, I feel like, uh, I don't know what the numbers say, but I feel like just like similarly to Boucher, I don't know if they're, um, turnaround coincided i don't know if they had a, a meeting or an experience together that just kind of had them see the light and realize that um, <laughs> to be doing on the, i don't know i don't know if they they just had a talk and just realized um yeah we need to be doing this or something maybe it was a, a, a particularly uh uh meaningful film session or something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i feel like their turnaround has kind of coincided where i'm like oh okay i don't feel uh like I'm not in the pit of my stomach when it's their, their <laughs> turn uh, to um, be checked in. But yeah, uh, Precious deserves a dude of the game. He's, he's yeah. been super uh, dude. <laughs> yeah, he was a dude as hell last night. Dude and yeah, hell. I'm glad you made the point about his, like, his defense, his pick and roll defense in particular, because it's just, he is really advanced and he is so nimble that I, I think, you know, not to invoke Marc Gasol again, because I keep doing that. And, and measuring up to Marc Gasol is very difficult. Oh, no. And he's Bring never going to be Marc Gasol on offense. Bring yeah, <laughs> He's never going to be Marc Gasol on offense because no one was Marc Gasol on offense. Like, yeah. like, except for Nikola Jokic, who's just like super duper Marc Gasol on offense. But the thing with – remember what the whole sort of ethos of the Raptors was back in 2018-19. It was they can play any defense they want because Marc Gasol can play any defense that you want a big to play. He can come hedge up high. He has the like the understanding of angles and floor coverage to be able to get back. He can play a drop. He can play – like you play any style of pick-and-roll defense. And they haven't been able to really do that because they haven't had a big of that ilk since then. And I do wonder – if maybe Precious is kind of their avenue to being able to kind of diversify things on defense again, because they kind of play the same way, right? Like they're, they're very sort of locked into Nick Nurse's super aggressive scheme. But if you have a guy who can play all of the schemes, that is going to be something that makes you more adaptable when matchups get tricky in the playoffs. It's not going to like bear total fruit this season, I would think, but the, the, like the pieces are there for like an all world type big man defender with, with Precious, with the way he covers ground, with oh, the yeah. way he plays hot, taller than his six eight six nine figure, like he gets up and contests at the rim quite well. He's got that athleticism, the verticality. Like I'm pretty excited and pretty high on Precious's overall defensive upside. Like I think there's a world in which he becomes the best defender on the Raptors over the next few years. Like I think that's totally within the realm of possibility. And any sort of steps he makes on offense are going to make that 
uh, you know, that much easier. Before we wrap up here, Yaz, uh, I do want to hand out a code due to the game or just a shout out to Gary Trent Jr., who was uh, just a, you know, not his most efficient game, 10 of 24. As you mentioned, it wasn't like a great shot selection night or anything like that. I think in, in ways they kind of needed him to just kind of take it upon himself to make something happen from time to time because of how tricky things were in the half court. And shout out to him for, I, I love Gary Trent Jr.'s molasses drives. This is what I call them, where he drives to the yeah. room and it feels like he's moving like five beats slower than everybody else. And it still manages to work. It, it you know speaks to a lack of burst, but also hey, if you got a counter to that and you can kind of make it work, then why not? Um, but any thoughts on Gary Trent Jr. going off for thirty? You know, talking talk, talking smack with uh, Patrick Beverly, and also having <laughs> his dad and brother sit courtside. His dad in the most luxurious looking fur coat you ever did see. Uh, I feel like Gary is at least worthy of some kind of mention on this show for his efforts last night. <laughs> yeah, Gary is Gary is super main character. He he will <laughs> like he'll not be the best guy on the team. Um, I, I consider him part of the core. He's not the best guy on the team, even though he's phenomenal and my expectation yeah. of him is super high. But he's like a main character. Like he's yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a guy. He's a guy. He's Gary Trent is a guy. But um, like that's a good point about his drive slowing down. I think. Perhaps they realize that he is not Ja Morant. He's not going to explode towards the rim. Um, ja could jump over Gary Trent. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, but but what what Gary does have is ridiculous gravity, where mm. he can, I think, work on and perfect that slow drive. That who's a player that has nailed that? Um, I think Devin Booker is a guy who, mm -hmm. who he, he's not crazy explosive, but what he can do is use his footwork, use his gravity to actually uh, leverage his um, pump fakes, which is something few players can do. But um, it went, I feel like that is actually a really good route for him to take in order to become a driving threat because he, that's something he can do right now. But I have mm -hmm. noticed um, recently that his drives are slower. And I feel like, uh, I don't know if that he's succeeding with that floater shot or that push shot or whatever he's been doing, but when he does turn into a little... Um, a little um, jumper or a turnaround uh, fadeaway or something, which is a shot that's mm -hmm. totally within his bag. Um, it's been uh, really fruitful. So um, I want, I would love to see more of that. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, a, I don't think it was the best game from him. I do think he might've broken out of a bit of a, a shooting slump that he's been in, uh, which yeah. is a bit characteristic, but mm -hmm. after five 30 point games in a row, I have super high expectations from Gary. Uh, I think he's delivered. He's been showing these flashes since for a, a couple years now. So I yeah. think we, we should just accept that this is a, a guy who, um, is capable of whatever he puts his mind to. Um, he's still super young, just turned 23, I think, this season. Um, and yeah, uh, that that's something to monitor for fans. Like, just keep an eye on uh, Gary's driving because if Gary is becomes a capable driving threat and um, it becomes a, just a competent passer, he does not need yeah. to become a... <laughs> I do not want a Gary Trent passing. He's the release valve of the offense. But if he just kind of perhaps gains the ability to just trust his teammates on the perimeter and leverage his uh, his pump fakes a little more um th that would be really just it would again another guy gaining a small skill that would just add to the complexity of the offense and kind of just benefit the future of the team but um mm -hmm. yeah great game for gary um he gave it all today he gave uh he gave his dad was giving um looks <laughs> 
uh, his, uh, he had his family out there. He was giving drama. He was giving, uh, you know, everything. It was it was great, a great night for him and in his hometown. So <laughs> perfect. Yeah, he's got real. Uh, the main character energy is a fantastic yeah. way to sum it up. He is like, uh, if you ever seen. Uh, yeah, RuPaul's Drag Race. He's like Eureka or one of those. Like, uh, you know, like can't look away from them. Maybe they're not the best drag queen. They're going out in like the the sixth last episode or something like that. But uh, you can't stop thinking about them for damn yeah. sure. Uh, Gary, protagonist of Reality Trent Junior. Reality Trent Junior. That is his new nickname. It's a little uh, <laughs> little, little clunky one. off the tongue, but we'll uh, we'll we'll workshop it. Uh, yeah, Yasmin, thanks so much for hopping on the show today. Really appreciate it. Always love chatting ball with you. Uh, you're doing wonderful work. Where can people check out all of your excellent stuff? Um, the Dishes and Dimes podcast uh, every Monday. Um, we should probably be posting that uh, follow-up to the All-Star Weekend, which would be really cool. I cannot wait to see uh, Scotty, Precious, Fred Van Vliet out there representing the Raptors. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm so excited to see Fred out there. I The reason I think he's been out the last couple of games is just to save him for You don't want to yeah, It's, it's three-point contest maintenance, yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> you don't, you don't want to agitate the knee before this guy's big weekend. Like, this is an undrafted player. <laughs> This is a this is it's history. It's um uh, you know it happens so few times in the NBA. Um mm-hmm. and it, you know for a player making the money Fred is and who isn't even at his best, I think that Fred has another level to reach. Uh yeah, I'm just super excited for that. Uh, and yeah, you can find my writing in uh, Yahoo Sports Canada, Complex Canada, um where I write approximately once a week there. So um yeah, check it out. Awesome. Thanks so much, Yasmin. Uh, you can find me, of course, on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts for free. And you can go to YouTube and subscribe to the video version of the show as well. Tomorrow on the podcast, Katie Heindel is going to stop by. I believe we're going to do a mailbag episode. If you have some all-star themed questions, that would, those, would, those would be appreciated uh, to carry up the theme. But we'll answer any and all mailbag questions tomorrow as we're now into no game season for about a week and a half. Uh, much deserved rest for your Toronto Raptors. I hope they all nap heavily over the next 10 days or so. Uh, but with that, we will wrap up today's show. Go make your second listen of the day, Olympic Hockey Daily, as Rachel Donner and Ann Kimmel are over there breaking down the Olympic men's and women's tournaments, in particular the women's tournament, tournament. in particular, Canada winning gold last night, baby. Go check it out. Uh, it's uh, They're doing a wonderful job over there. They're both Americans, though, so they're going to be quite sad, I think, in evaluating the game, but they'll do a wonderful job of it anyway. So go listen to Olympic Hockey Daily as your second list of the day. We'll be back in tomorrow. Talk to you then. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.